Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Hey man, welcome back to What's the Hazard? It is uh, Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Yeah, we've kind of thrown things off here, but I don't come to find out the, the good people of Herd at Media don't work on Fridays. So, <laughs> so although we do, I mean, right? We'd be working on Friday, man. Working so. stiffs, right? We are. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pretend it is Friday. It is um, the day before Thanksgiving. I'm here with my buddy Aaron Cerrone. It is. Um, the final episode of the month, we'll call it that, and so it is time for our leadership series. As we all look forward to that one, and so thanks for coming back, man. Thanks. It's man. good to see you. So uh, Thanksgiving tomorrow, um, plans, uh, memories. No, I, you know, I mean, well, I'll be laying low a little bit, but um, you know, Thanksgiving was a huge, huge holiday for my family. Was you it? Know, that was that was the one where everybody got together and converged on my grandmother's house. So, mm-hmm. so growing up for me, Thanksgiving was the holiday. We nice. got to see everybody. And Christmas, we all kind of went our way. And you grew up own. in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I grew uh, up in people Pennsylvania. People don't know that, maybe. So, uh, you know, the and my family's pretty scattered pretty much around the country, so everybody would converge on that holiday. And, you know, that'd be the time I'd get to see some aunts and uncles and cousins I wouldn't nice. see but once a year. Yeah, And uh, So that was, cool. that was a big-time holiday. And we all would uh, go to my grandmother's, and she had this big table they would put together and run the length, what felt like yeah. the length of the house when you're, you know, when yeah, you're little. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. And then uh, the whole family would sit and eat at the same time. And, then, of course, I got relegated to the kids' table. Mm-hmm. Oh, your kids' table, kids man. table. Oh, yeah, man. But the kids' table was monsters because there was, like, 12 <laughs> of us, 14 of us over there. Nice. And, uh, you know, typical Italian family, so there's always a monster bowl of pasta, homemade pasta on mm-hmm. the table. Do right, you eat turkey? Right I mean, next to, oh, yeah, right next to the turkey. You would have the turkey, okay. So you would have all the traditional things. And generally what would happen is, you know, my grandmother's, you know, house was hundred years old so you know there wasn't just physically enough room to cook everything so like the aunts and uncles would cook some of the side dishes and then bring them bring them as they sure. would come but you know the turkey and the mainsail was always cooked there and of course the pasta and you know the night before they would hand make all the pasta and get it ready and Incredible. into the next morning and then um you know what i vividly remember is I, we always had a handful of ants that would desserts were their thing and we had this dessert table that was massive oh, <laughs> and they all had their own little thing like my you know, my aunt Betty would make these these cookies that were just fabulous. You know, and then had another aunt who would make these like chocolate and cream cheese cupcakes. And so the dessert table was always well stocked. Nice. And then, uh, but yeah, it, it was awesome. And you know, when you know, it's I think anytime you can get family together and act civil under so one roof. What, what, what's yeah, civil? Yeah, the, if you can. What 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 is the one side dish that you enjoy the most? Is there anything that you've brought into your own? Tradition, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, the green bean casserole, or what was your, what you was know, when thing? I personally cook, you know, I, I'll still make turkey, and then I, I've always like, which is kind of weird, you know, our family, it's the men cooked a lot, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they, they were always in the kitchen. Outside of my grandmother, you know, um, I have an uncle that was a chef. My grandfather owned a bar and restaurant. My dad owned a bar and restaurant. So, so the men were always cooking a lot. So I would grew up in the kitchen, learning to cook, you know. So as I got older and started having my own family, I would always cook the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. dinner as well. So. And I would play around with stuff, you know, some recipes I would hold true to, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, just me being me, I would start tweaking stuff and, and whatnot, you know, so, you know, f- for me, I, we make, I make a, um, a sweet potato casserole oh. with apricots and brown oh. sugar and brandy in it, Nice, which is really good. Nice. And that then, sounds uh, good. You know, I like to make a stuffing with andouille sausage and spice yeah. it up a little bit. Uh, and things like that. Do you like turkey? I do. I do. Do you? Yeah, and I've got this, you know, my, my Aunt Dorothy, um, before she passed, she gave me this steel, um, 
not a pressure cooker, but a steel like Dutch oven. Right. It's got that roasting pan. Big roasting pan. It's got Mm -hmm. this big lid on it and it's got an extension. And, you know, I put a turkey in that and it's got these little vents you can flip open to let a certain amount of moisture in and out. And I can put a turkey in there and literally any size turkey, man. I can cook it in two hours. <laughs> At the it, same temperature? It, it's amazing. You would use the same temperature regardless of the yeah. size of the turkey, yeah. but it just two hours. Because well, it's in there and it's self-basting yeah. the entire time. And it's just, you know, and, and literally it cooks it to the point. And I have to be careful sometimes. Like I go pull a drumstick and the bone just pulls right out. Like yeah. it's almost hard to carve because it just falls apart. Really? Point. Yeah. If I'm not careful, I can't. I can't. I can't. But, but you attribute that all to this device that she passed down to you. This, it's just yeah. This cooker. I, I swear, dude. I can cook. <laughs> like I'll put a pork button in it or anything, and it just it just crushes really? it. Does it, it does it seal somehow? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it, like the lid snap down think onto. Think of it? think of like just like a steel absolutely pan, and then another steel pan sits on top of it. And I can right. put a little extension on, depending on how big the turkey okay. is, right? And I've actually got this. Uh, it's actually got like a like a a tray a perforated tray where you can put in the bottom and then you can lift everything okay. out easy yeah. or you can flip it under and then have two tiers in there but it's just nice um just the way it seals and sits on itself and it's just it's just a big metal box sure at the end of the day and you just throw it in your oven that is fantastic and uh, man it cooks things amazing i, I cook it's probably 100 years old i don't know how old oh that's awesome Th- this stuff was better than for cooking most definitely i, I cooked the turkey um and not particularly well. <laughs> you know, I mean, I do the bag thing. You ever tried the turkey I in have. the bag I thing? Have. And uh, yeah. it, it's intended to keep some of the juices sure. in, I think. And Same idea. So I, I do that, and it comes out okay. Yeah. Um, my old man was a farm kid. He hated turkey. Really? He would, he would suffer turkey once well, I mean, a year for Thanksgiving. That was it. If you think about it, turkey, for the most part, is flavorless. Oh. <laughs> There's really not much to it. That's why you yeah. dump gravy all over it, right? Exactly. So we, we do the turkey. I suggested to my wife that maybe we do something different. You know, it's kind of an, an atypical uh-huh. Thanksgiving. You know, we're not getting family together. We're, you know, it's just the four of us. The boys got home last night, in fact, and we are going to have a nice socially distanced Thanksgiving. Each of us will have our own room probably where we're eating, and we'll <laughs> just fair. communicate via Zoom for in the same house or something <laughs> ridiculous. But but um, I had a friend make a joke. He sent me this meme that says uh, he alluded to the fact that he's sitting in jail because he had Thanksgiving with his family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is going to be interesting, man. But I, I suggested that we do something other than turkey, you know. And um, my like wife a, looked at me like, like I had just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she just like, you know, she want my wife loves the tradition. And so we have the same things every year. Like you said, we might tweak them a little bit mm-hmm. or try something new, but it's basically the same things every year. Right. And it will be a flavorless turkey in a bag. you know. And the problem with the bag is, man, the skin does not get that nice, Crisp. crispy yeah. texture. Take the bag off for like the last half hour or so. I, yeah, it's, it's you rough. You get those, you know, a lot of people inject the turkey with different mm-hmm. flavors. You try that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like, know what I do? Maybe like I, Old Forester, I, uh, some, a flavor like that or something. Some of my family gets appalled by this, but um, I, I'll put strips of bacon across the top of the turkey mm. and, and let that baste it as that. well. Yeah. I mean, bacon makes Inside the better, box. Right? You know? Oh, yeah. Inside the metal so, box. Uh, so I'll line the whole top of the turkey with bacon and drop it in the <laughs> box and seal it. And now it's just, you know, you're getting that smoky flavor and the oh. bacon, you know, fat's just melting over it the whole time and basting it. That sounds fantastic, man. All right, well, we got it. We might as well get moving forward here. <laughs> now that we killed a half hour <laughs> right, talking exactly. about turkey. I just love Thanksgiving. I hope everyone has something to be thankful for. I know it's been kind of a crazy, uh, unusual year, and, and many people have had some challenges and difficulties, whether that be with their health or with business or things. So 
I hope you can find something to be thankful for. I know we've got a lot right. to be thankful for. You man, know, my so. last newsletter I, I put out, usually I write an article, and this time uh, I just put out, you know, just focus on a positive. You know, we've been focused mm-hmm. on negative. This year it's just sucked. Mm-hmm. Sucked ass. Like, yep. there's no way around it. Exactly. And uh, I had a buddy send me a picture that said if 2020 was a canoe trip. I, sh- I said <laughs> that to was, you. And it, it was the deliverance. deliverance. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That, that, yeah, no and, doubt. Uh, but, you know, you, you get in that habit. It's really easy to get in that habit of just, being negative and focusing on the negative and then you turn on the TV and that's all the news right. wants to focus on. It's right. You know, so I just told everybody, Hey, find something positive to focus that's, on. Like, there's, there's a lot of things that we should be grateful for and that yeah. are still good. I mean, that are still good in life. It's like, yeah, we're inconvenienced right now, but yeah, I like, would agree. Man. Well, I think about it, you know, I mean, I, you know, I whine about the inconveniences and, and, and I've known some people that have been sick and I've not had anyone close to me who's died of the COVID you know, um, but I've known some people that have been sick and had some issues with it, and and uh, so I, I certainly sympathize and and uh, don't wish that on anyone. I hope everybody comes through this okay. But there, there's a lot to be thankful for, man. So absolutely, I, I totally agree. So and I guess that is a good segue into my sponsors. Right, <laughs> like it is the end of the first year, and man, um, I want to thank all my sponsors, Mid American Martial Arts, and Aaron. You know how much I appreciate you're doing this for me, man. Um, CCS Group. Custom Concrete Specialist, Safety Reports, and the United States Department of Labor. I never thought I would hear myself saying that, but I'd like to thank the United States Department of Labor. I can see the pain on your face. <laughs> it is, well, this is a different group, man. It's not like I'm thanking the OSHA folks, although they did employ me for 20 years. But the on-site consultation group, Jim Cover and, and his consultants, they do a fantastic job. So uh, at the end of this first year of What's the Hazard, I just want to thank everybody that has helped uh, your your support, your sponsorship, and um, your encouragement have been greatly appreciated. So, uh, thank you for all of that. Man, you need, you need to toot your horn here, man. You got to tell everybody that uh, you know Metro's now picked up oh, yeah. your podcast that, as that's part a, of their class. Yeah, man, that's an interesting. Thank you. That's an interesting point. I, um, I've got a buddy who was a safety professional here in town, and he teaches classes over at Metro at the community college, uh, our local community college, and they teach. Um, I think as part of their construction management program, and, and they have an industrial safety warehousing program, and so there's a safety component to it, as there should be. And uh, so uh, I happened to bump into a, a young man who was a friend of one of my sons. He works at the local grocery, and I happened to bump into him, and he said, "Hey, Mr. Fletcher, Mr. Orellana makes us listen to your goddamn podcast <laughs> as part of our class." And I was like, "That's fantastic! <laughs> you know, it's a four-hour class. I'm sure he doesn't want to talk to you for four hours, you little bastard." So, <laughs> so. They, they listen to the podcast, and then they talk about what we've discussed. He said they love right. the leadership uh, programs that we've done, which really is the intention. I mean, he really want. I think, we may not be able to save the old dudes, but hopefully we can give some guidance to some of these younger people that will be in leadership sure. positions. And, and so. I think that's just change needs to happen uh, with the younger generation in general. You know, you just change their mindset and their perception yeah. and their perspective of things, and and I think it's really important, you know, someone who, d- who is on faculty at UNO, uh, I, I think a lot of times students don't get in front of current professionals enough. You know, there, there's, there's book knowledge and th- you know how it is. There's book yeah. knowledge and theory, then there's reality. Right. Like this is how it's really happening. Right. And uh, a lot of times I don't think they get that enough. And you um, do that in your, one of your classes, don't you? you bring- so my, my, my entrepreneur class, I'm always bringing in, I'll bring in, you know, upwards of six, sometimes seven um, people, business owners to just come sit for an hour and do a Q&A session with them. And they'll tell their story and how they got mm-hmm. in the business and the highs and lows and the challenges. And and uh, it's funny is they're willing to speak more about the failures and the challenges um, 
And I think that's important for uh, students to hear because all you're going to hear from generally professors is all the successes and follow this path and you'll be CEO in no time and, right. and, you know, do this theory and do that theory and the other thing. And it works beautifully and it never fails, right? And, <laughs> so, and they probably don't talk about the failures in the case studies in the books. I mean, yeah, those well, are always you'll, you'll get those once in a while. But I, but I think it's, it's one of those things that's like, you know, you hear your dad say something over and over for 18 years of your life. And then some stranger says the same thing. Like, dad don't believe what this guy said to me. You're like, really, you little son of a... It resonated right? with So, me. you know, it, it it solidifies the things I'm saying in the classroom when, when someone like yourself comes in and talks about the challenges of being a consultant. Mm-hmm. And, and a restaurateur comes in and talks about what's it, like, what's it really like being a, bit, a restaurant owner, mm-hmm. and, and especially now in times of COVID and the challenges. Right. And, and they start to hear a common theme across mm-hmm. all these people. And now it's like, oh, okay. That's really, I, they're yeah. really important really important to hear a little bit of a reality Mm -hmm. because I think we've all been uh, inundated with some of these idealistic concepts and sure having your own business sounds fantastic. Right. I mean, right. And and those concepts are important, right. But the application piece is where things are lost in translation. Mm -hmm. Well, man. So for today's episode, I've got a few questions. Now these are actually, I have to admit selfishly that these are my questions. <laughs> I know so little about actual leadership and I've actually, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with what I consider good leaders and, and a number of people that I didn't consider good leaders, frankly, you know, I mean, I, you know what works for you sure, and, and whether or not, I'm not even sure that's, but whether that's good or bad, I mean, I just know what I responded to mm-hmm. and what I don't, but we talked about this the other day, uh, um, defining success when we talk, we talk about success all the time as if we should all know what that means sure. and do know what that means. And I thought it would be kind of interesting if we could talk a little bit about just from a, from a business standpoint, sure. what do we mean by that when we talk about success? Right. I, th- I think what's important, um, there's a concept out there that's gaining steam right now is awareness. Like, oh, awareness. You gotta, if you're aware of your emotions and you're aware of this and you're aware of that, you're going to be more effective. And, and when I was growing up, that was just called, um, you know, we called it self-awareness. Or mindfulness is, is the word right now. They're using a lot. Mindfulness is gaining a lot of traction. You see a lot of books on mindfulness. You see a lot of people consulting on on mindfulness. And it was just self-awareness to me. Like the martial arts tell us one of the seven selves, self-awareness. Like be aware of yourself and your surroundings and what's happening. And, and, and they're taking it to a deeper level now. It's kind of being aware of your emotions and how you're feeling about things and acknowledging rather than compartmentalizing and things like that. Um, you know, and I was tri- when I was driving over here this morning, um, we, we've all done this, right? You're driving along and all of a sudden like you're on autopilot and like you're supposed to be going to a grocery store and you just end up in your driveway like, how the hell did I get here? Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, sometimes depending on where I'm working that day, like I'll just start driving towards the gym and I should have been going to UNO. And, uh, right, and right. Uh, you know, so I was driving and I was coming down Harrison. I'm just kind of tooling along listening to the radio and I looked up and I actually went to myself, where the hell am I going? <laughs> and I, and I, was, I was on my way here. Luckily, I didn't miss my turn at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think to, to segue that, it, it's a lot of times we're not aware, like as leaders, of, you know, the, the, the state of mind that our, our workers are in, right? We're not aware of how the work is affecting them necessarily. Like we, we see work getting done and we see, you know, thing projects getting completed, but we're really not aware of or in tune to how it's affecting them on a daily basis or over the long term, right? We just, you know, we get into this mode of we, we have stuff to do as leaders. Uh, we got things we need to get done and, and we're managing our people or getting payroll or dealing with this and dealing with that. And we kind of just get into autopilot and the blinders get on and we don't pick our head up 
sometimes, and we're just not aware of what's going on around us. Like, and we're definitely not in tune to how our people are being affected. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've both been there, right? A lot of you guys don't realize, Doug, back in the day, was was quite a formidable lifter. Weight uh-huh, lifter yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> right. uh, you know, if anybody's been on Netflix and, and you see the, the documentary West Side vs. the World, I, I swear Doug's in the background uh-huh. somewhere in that. Yeah, I am. I'm, I, I watch it every now and again just to see if I can find him. Yeah. Um, but... You and I both know, like, if you, we, we've had those workouts where you didn't think it was that big big of a deal, and you wake up the next day and you're sore as hell, and you're like, man. And, and, and we both know that if you're not careful and you keep doing workouts like that, it leads to what we call overtraining, mm-hmm. right? To the point yeah. where now you get diminishing return, no matter how much harder you work out, you're actually doing more harm than good Absolutely. to the body. And you stop making gains, you stop making successful um, right. steps towards your goals, progress. right? You're actually going yeah. backwards. Exactly. Um, and now there's other factors involved there. there. There's how well you're rested, how much sleep you're getting, your nutrition, um, the frequency of your workouts, the intensity, all those things. But the point is, if, if you're not paying attention, you can now overtrain your body and do more mm-hmm. harm than good. And, and I think the same thing happens in, in the work environment, whereas we just assume our workers are fine. Mm-hmm. And they're doing yeah. the work, they're getting it done, but we have no idea, like, over the aggregate in the long term, how they really are doing, because they have other stuff going on as well. They've got relationships, they got their own health, they got their kids, they got other factors that are weighing in on this, and they could be suffering from the same thing as overtraining, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're to the point of diminishing return, where all of a sudden, like, now their work is slipping, like, well, what's going on here all of a sudden? Or they just up and quit, right? So, you know, we we bringing it all together, like we're just not aware that we just assume the amount of work I've given them is a healthy amount of work because they're getting it done. In the gym, we're getting the workouts done, right? But, okay, on the surface, that's success. But we're not realizing that, hey, we are overtraining our body or, hey, I am actually overworking this person Mm -hmm. at the same time. They're getting it done, but it doesn't mean that they are healthy mm-hmm. or they're better equipped for the next job or they can take more workload at any point. They're at the breaking point, right? And then we start seeing a slip and a slide. Right. Or they do quit out or of the blue. They have the no blue. idea why. all you, the time. You had right? no indication or, or at least you weren't paying attention. You and, didn't and see And it's thing. one of those things where, you know, on, a, on an academic level, it's like, you know, well, if people are well paid and you're taking care of them, this and the other thing that, you know, why would they quit? Well, sometimes we're just, we don't see things, right? We're just not in tune. Um, we brush it off. We've, you and I both had those workouts where oh, I'm sore, but that's fine. I'll, I'll brush it off. No big deal. Or a little nagging injury. Ah, just brush it off. It'll be yeah. fine. And then it's chronic. Train through it. Train through it. And then it's chronic. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I've got now, those. Same thing happens with our employees, right? I'll push them through it. And now you got a chronic problem if you're not careful. That's really, and that is really insightful because I see managers, you know, uh, all the time that are so busy and so they, they, they appear so overwhelmed with responsibility that what, that what Which goes, yeah, absolutely. They're being pushed hard and they're mm-hmm. being driven. But the thing that goes is that, that, uh, that attuneness, if that's even a word, that's fair with their employees yeah. that goes, they're so busy taking care of the other things. And you would think that'd be the one thing that they should hold on to. Or they're putting out fires constantly. Yeah. And then, you know. So, so they lose that. You, you, what have you called it before? Um, temperature checks. or yeah. you know, They're not doing those, those things. Those one-on-ones, those daily mm-hmm. check-ins, those daily conversations, see how people are doing. Um, you know, the other piece, too, is like there's a, I w- there, there's a country. And, and f- f- forgive me for not remembering the name of the country. It's a small country where they don't uh, – 
gauge success by gross national product. It's gross national happiness. Right? They, they talk about how happy their people are, how much they're enjoying life and whatnot. And they have a metric for that somehow? <laughs> somehow. You know, I'm, it's all anecdotal, mm-hmm. right? It's all, you know, um, right. nothing objective. Right. But, but I think there's, there's a place for it, right? Because, you know, you can have employees that are getting work done, but do they enjoy it? Right. You know, we talk about culture and a lot of things that just because somebody's good at their job doesn't mean they enjoy doing it or doesn't mean they're happy. It's not there. fulfilling them at the same time. You know, there's just the opposite. Just because someone's happy and loves being there doesn't mean they're a good worker. Right. right? So, you know, right. there's, there's both sides to it. But on the surface, you know, we're talking about success like, yeah, this person's getting work done and doing it well. So that's successful. They're good and mm-hmm. they're a good employee. But the person's miserable. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Yeah. They're having trouble at home. They're stressed out for other reasons. Uh, maybe they're in debt and they got money issues. Um, they're a great worker, but they're miserable. They hate it. Or, or just don't like the culture and the environment, right? They just, maybe their personality doesn't mess with other people around them. Or it's just, you know, it's just not the place for me. I mean, we've all heard that before. So, uh, you know, if you're not careful on the surface, you think everything's honky-dory. Right. Man, this person's knocking it out of the park. We're cranking out widgets. Right, right. And they just loathe coming in every day. That's, what, do you, what do you do? I mean... Obviously, you have to take time to be. That's the key. Yeah. You got to take time to, to sit and, and maybe prioritize. And and, and and you know, um, there's a there's a company out there called Precision Nutrition, and in part of their certification process, there's a big coaching piece to it. And one of the things they do is they say, you know, create a story about your clients. And, and the point is, is that everybody's unique. Everybody brings unique issues to the table, and they have you know, unique lives coming in. So you need to paint a picture of every employee you have. Like you need to take this holistic 360 degree view of everybody to, to fully understand them as a person and an individual, not just a worker who's punching out widgets. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you'll start keying into some of these things like, Oh, you know, Doug, Doug's an awesome widget maker, but I also know that he's divorced, has three kids. He's got a monster child support payment. Um, he's a little bit behind on his bills. He's really stressed out. His dog just died. You know, drinking. It's all, it's all those other things, right? <laughs> you know, and then it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, he's he's kicking ass on the mm-hmm. surface in terms of he's hitting his quota and then some. He's my best widget maker on the floor. Mm-hmm. But if I don't take time to learn about him and, and paint that, make that story about him, I don't see that at any given moment he's about to crack. Right. Right. And at any moment he's going to call in sick and not come back. Or go, or go postal, which I hate to say, right? Mm-hmm. Younger people don't even know what that means anymore. Go yeah. postal, right? But th- that's the truth, right? It's like yeah. I, if I don't take time to, to become aware, right, to be mindful, to use the, the key term here, mm-hmm. um, about this person, okay, I mistake this superficial success as a good worker um, to is he really a good employee? Am I being a good manager? Is this person someone that's not going to be able to keep for the long haul? I do they enjoy being here? That that seems to be a huge challenge for many companies that I interact with is retention. And I think you're hitting on something that is really critical and often overlooked is that that humanistic element, whatever that is. I mean, I can teach this guy, okay, you go over here and you do this, you weld this, you cut this, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you build this. Um, and, and then, again, we can... They can be successful at that, but then they leave. You know, these are guys that are jumping from job to job to make another 25 cents an hour. Sure. That has to be whatever that fulfillment issue is. 
You know, I mean, they're looking for something right. that they're not getting. I think that's those those conversations you need to have. You know, people generally are short-sighted. They're just, you know, living life day by day, paycheck to paycheck, month to month, mm-hmm. just trying to make rent. And if they see a 25, 50 cent jump, they're going to go for it because they're looking at it superficially. Mm-hmm. And those are those conversations you need to have about, you know, hey, um, you know, are you interested in growing with the company? Are you interested in, you know, um, moving up or, or staying here long enough where you will start making more money and get more responsibilities and things like that? Um, you know, the problem is that a lot of cases in, in those type of blue-collar jobs, uh, there, there is no upward mobility. Right. Right. Sure. And, and a lot of times they're locked, their pay scales are locked in because of union rules or whatever it happens to be. Right. So they know, they know the game, right? So they know if they have a shot to get a buck more an hour, you got to go for it because it's mm-hmm. probably not going to happen where you're at. Mm-hmm. So that that is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, it's one of those things where as a business owner and a manager, you know, if you sit down and have that conversation and say, hey, look, I want you to understand what's around you. And, you know, the support you're going to get here and, and you have to lay it out and explain to them. It's much more than just a dollar per hour job here. Like, here's all the right. other things we're going to do for you. But you have to follow through on it. You can't just say it and then not do it, right? You can't pay it lip service. So I, if you show people you're going to take care of them and support them in other ways beyond the wage, mm-hmm. now you have a better chance of keeping them or, or not losing them to the 50 cents more an hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, wow. So that brings me to my next question and i know there's much more we can talk about success but you touched on it trust i mean Mm -hmm. i think if you if you are if you trust that your your employer your company your manager whomever whatever that authority is in your work environment um there must there has to be an element of trust that you're either being looked out for or you know something to that degree what what is trust in a work environment i mean i know what you know you you and I as friends, I know, you know, right. trust is different in our relationship than perhaps in the work environment. And that, I'm going to throw something on there. In, a, in, a, in an environment where you're trying to foster trust between the employer and the employee, can you have discipline? I mean, can you have a disciplinary program or does that completely undermine trust? Um, I, I think you, so first of all, let, let's talk about how we, how we start building trust. And I think it's, it's upfront. It's all about expectations. You know, I, uh, a mantra in management is set the expectation and manage to it, right? Or leadership, set the expectation and lead and manage to it. The more upfront we are about what I expect out of somebody as an employee, not, not just, hey, I expect you to punch out 100 widgets a day and then some. Uh, it, it's how I expect you to conduct yourself, um, the mannerisms I expect, the dress I expect, you know, how I expect you to act with other employees and, and interact with management and, and the level of professionalism that I want out of you and, and the level of um, quality I expect out of your work, right? We, we have that conversation of what the expectations are and be and very clear about it and, and more importantly, make sure that the employee understands it, mm-hmm. okay? And then listen, what are your expectations of me as a manager? And what are your expectations of us as a company? Right? And it's really just make sure we're on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're making assumptions, right? And what is assumption? An assumption is just a, a selfish decision I made that you're going to act a certain way. Right. And when you don't act that way, now I'm mad. We do it in our relationships all the time. Well, I assumed you would just know to do the dishes, right? (laughs) Right. And it's like, well, we never had the conversation for you to tell me you wanted me to do the dishes. So Mm -hmm. 
right? So it, it, an assumption is a selfish determination of how I expect you to act. But yet we've never had the conversation. I've never set the expectation, hey, I would like you to do the dishes. Can you do that? Yes, I can do that. Or no, I don't want to do that. Now we have an understanding, right? In, a, in an assumption, there's no understanding. So it, it's important early on to set expectations and have an understanding. And now you go, okay, what do we got to do to make these expectations happen? What do you need as my employee to fulfill these expectations that I have of you, right? And then what do I need to fulfill the expectations mm-hmm. you have of me? And now we move forward, right? And when you carry out that, right, we talked about it. Maybe we even put it on paper. We have an understanding. And now I actually do it. And you actually do it. Now we have trust. Mm-hmm. Right. That I carried through on those expectations. You carried through on those expectations. We fulfilled our verbal contract mm-hmm. that we had with each other. Mm-hmm. If we don't do that, now we're guessing and we're assuming. Mm-hmm. Now there's going to be let down. And how can I be mad at you? If you didn't do something I assumed you would do, if we never talked about it, right? And I catch myself doing it all the time, right? I, I, I assumed you would act like a professional. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Right. And we never talked about it. Right. I assumed when I said work starts at 8, you would show up at 8. That's maybe a bad example. But you, you understand <laughs> but what I'm saying, right? Even, yeah, I mean, right? even it, It's then. like, hey, uh, showing up five minutes late is not acceptable. Right. We have to have that conversation. Absolutely. Well, I didn't think it was a big deal. Well, Exactly, and you did, and so there was that, there was that assumption in there. Mm-hmm. I, th- this is, and that's um, to me, that's a foundation of trust. Absolutely, right? It is just having that conversation and and setting expectations, and then and then managing to it and showing that you're going to follow through, right? And you're going and not not just follow through, like because you talked about discipline. I think discipline is very important, right? A disciplined environment is a very productive and effective environment. It's a very free environment too, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're very disciplined. Now everybody understands each other and everybody knows what to expect and, and now you're working in unison, right? That doesn't right. happen with discipline, without discipline. Right, you can count on them. Um, right, you can count on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and disciplined people tend to be the same people that will follow through, right? They're, very, they're highly accountable as well. Like mm-hmm. when, there's, when there's a lack of discipline in the environment, there tends to be less accountability, right? I Absolutely. Don't, I, don't, I make excuses. I'm not responsible totally. for my actions. I point the finger. I p- play the blame game mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and, and this all comes together to form a trusting environment. So so you do have to be willing to discipline, right? You do have to be willing, like, if you don't fulfill, well, look, I fulfilled my end of the bargain. You didn't fulfill yours. There's going to be some consequences. There's ramifications for everything, right. positive or negative. Right. Right? You eat well, you, you, uh, you live a healthy lifestyle, you exercise, you have positive ramifications, mm-hmm. Right. You don't do any of that. You have a negative ramification. You become diabetic, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it happens to be. Same way in a work environment. But when I say set expectations and manage to it, part of managing to it is the understanding that there are consequences when you don't uphold your end of the bargain. It might be putting you on notice. It might be a counseling session. It might be getting written up. It might be a dock and pay. It might be get fired, right? Depending on where we're at. How many so, times we've had this conversation. But you have to have that, right? You, you have to have, well, what if I don't do it? I need to pull right. you in. I need right. to reel you in. Maybe the first time it's a conversation, hey, man, we, we agreed that we would mm-hmm. do this. I fulfilled it. You said you needed these things. I gave them for you. You're still not mm-hmm. fulfilling your end of the bargain. What are we going to do here? Right? Now, yeah. maybe that's the first conversation. Second conver- first conversation might be, hey, buddy, uh, you came up a little short. Uh, let's work on that. You know, let them know that you noticed 
right? Just a simple conversation that, hey, I am watching. Let them know that you notice. So let's try to pick it up, Doug. Okay, buddy, no problem. And then you pick it up for a few weeks and you start dropping again. It's like, hey, you know what's going on? Is there something you need from me? Is there something going on, right? And you slowly start amplifying those conversations. And it's kind of like, hey, man, look, it's six times now. Like, right. I'm going to formally write you up. This is your notice. We can't do this anymore. Right. Or I'm going to have to find somebody that can do it. You know, that type mm-hmm. of thing. And you need to have those barriers. It's just like raising kids. You need to have those barriers, right? They need to know that if they cross a line, they're going to get whacked. Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm, not, not physically, but verbally. Oh, yeah, whatever, physically. I don't, whatever. Right? <laughs> so, um, but because you need to have that line, right? We all, right? we all need to have those barriers to work in. Otherwise, you have the Wild West and chaos within right. your work environment. And to me, that's managing to the expectation, mm-hmm. okay? At the same time, managing the expectation is also acknowledging that, hey, man, good job. You nailed that. Like, you've been nailing it. Uh, here's your raise. Or here's here's a new position. Or, you know, or that's also you. managing. Yeah, a simple thank you. Right? That's also managing the expectation. Right. Right? And that's that's all. They both build trust, right? They both build trust. The, it, it's because I'm, the, you know I'm watching. You know I'm noticing of the good and the bad. I'm noticing both the fact that I'm watching now builds more trust that, hey, he's involved, he's engaged, he knows what's going on, or she, right? And it's not just out of sight, out of mind. And guess what happens? Going back to the first thing we talked about, you're more aware, you're more mindful of everything going on right? as a result. That's really interesting because this is the cornerstone of this whole working safely concept to me. You know, we tell people, you know, work safely, but we don't necessarily communicate well what that expectation is. What does it even mean? Yeah, what that means. I mean, it's, it's. Um, I think. Don't all, get hurt. Yeah. Okay, what does that mean? Yeah, don't do anything stupid. Okay. You know, or whatever. Can't get much more broad than yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, and I think that is typically the underlying problem. You know, as long as those expectations, as you said, are clearly communicated, it's kind of a two-way conversation. Here's what I expect. You tell me what you need in order to, to provide this to me. You know, and we'll make sure that we those things uh, are in place so that you can work safely. I mean, we put employees in a position oftentimes where we expect them to work safely, but we haven't provided an, an environment for them to do that, either the tools or the resources sure. or whatever. And there's a small piece in there I don't want you to forget. It's that understanding piece. Here's what I expect. What do you need? Both great conversations, but here's what I expect. How do you understand that? Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right? How are you interpreting? Because remember, in communication, there's my words, my my intention, my words going out. You're receiving those words, then it's your interpretation, right? As well, and those right. two interpretations may not be the same. Wow. Yeah. So right. it goes back to, hey, go, make sure you guys be safe out there, Hill Street booze. Y'all be safe out there, mm-hmm. right? Um, just totally dated myself there. <laughs> right. So y'all be safe out there. That means yeah. different things to different people. Absolutely. Right? Y'all be safe out there doesn't mean for everybody put the hard hat on. Some guys are like, I don't need that to be safe. Mm-hmm. Right. So no, immediately, no I don't need to tether off. I'm fine. I haven't, I've been here 30 years. I haven't fallen off yet. Right? So right. that means right. different things to different people. Absolutely. So it has to be clearly communicated, concisely communicated. And then you have to understood. verify that it's been understood. Yes, yes. And then you have to follow up consistently. Sure. I, I, I'm a believer that you have to have those discipline programs in place. OSHA certainly requires employers to have a what they refer to as a progressive discipline program mm-hmm. in place. That's a protection for the employer against citations. If you can demonstrate that you've, you know, you've clearly communicated the expectations, you've trained on them, you've provided mm-hmm. the appropriate equipment, you 
uh, surveil the workplace periodically to make sure it's happening and that people understood, and then you discipline someone when they are deviating from those right. expectations, that, that is an affirmative defense against a citation. And let's not, you know, when we hear discipline or you're disciplining somebody, it's, always, it's a negative connotation, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want Absolutely. that to be, right? When we say a disciplined environment, that's not a negative environment, mm-hmm. right? That's a highly functioning and highly effective environment in my mind. Like, my, when I say I'm going to discipline you, it doesn't mean I'm the Grim Reaper and I'm going to chastise you like a little kid. Right? A discipline program may be something as simple as putting somebody in training, right? Or taking corrective actions mm-hmm. to prevent something that we saw. Or having the weekly stand-up, as, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're following a disciplined environment. That's part of our disciplinary process it's like i see something went wrong or somebody did something wrong they didn't understand it hey we're all going to talk about it now we're all going to take a time out and talk about it to make sure everybody understands it right that to, to me that's part of the discipline process like we when we say i'm going to discipline somebody it's right away it's like you're getting written up mm-hmm. you're going to get in trouble right and, and and that's the wrong approach to creating a disciplined environment and disciplining people it, it can be that right mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it warrants that Right, right, to get through to somebody like they're at that point where they don't, they're not picking it up. But the initial phases should be conversational, educational, mm-hmm. right, corrective, and not not in a negative way. Well, you need to make sure that you have held up your end of the bargain before you're just lopping heads off. I would imagine. Right, and and when something goes wrong, the, in any good management, the first thing they should ask is, "Did we give them everything they need?" Right, and in their words, were the procedures right? Did they have the tools they need? Did they have the resources they need? Did they understand it? Mm-hmm. Right. Not did they screw up? Right. Right. Those are the first questions to get asked, right? Because more often than not, studies have shown that when, when somebody doesn't do well in the work environment, it's usually the organization that failed that give them the things they needed. It's not that they were purposely showing up to do bad right. stuff, right? Do right. bad work. Nobody generally wants to do that. Nobody sure. wants to show up and just do a crap job. Nobody wants to get hurt. No right. one truly comes to yeah, work nobody, hoping to know. get hurt. Right, you know, and, and it's easy for me to say, oh, Doug was lazy, that's why he didn't have his hard hat on and didn't tether off, and that's why he fell. Well, you know, that, that's, that's a broad brush. Assume that every mm-hmm. time something goes wrong, it's because somebody was lazy or didn't care. Mm-hmm. When you look back and you go, hey, you know what? Doug isn't the only one that didn't have his hat on. Mm-hmm. And there were three guys that didn't tether off that day. Right. Okay, there's something chronic and bigger happening. Right, It's not just because right. Doug was lazy, right? Because... Otherwise, he'd be the only one. Mm-hmm. We call that the isolated incident sure. or whatever. And it's never isolated, Mm-mm. if you really think about there, it. There's something in the system that, we ha- that maybe has failed or just hasn't supported our expectations. You just stopped paying attention to it. You stopped, you know, doing those check-ins, right? You just, it was an undisciplined environment. Mm-hmm. It became an undisciplined environment because right. there wasn't any follow-through on those expectations we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And you alluded to this in the very beginning when you were talking about driving on cruise control. Right. Once you get those, I mean, those are habit loops that are just basically, sure. If once you get those habits, those positive habits established, and you can get people into that habit loop. So I'm going up, you know, I'm going up elevated to work, so I put on my harness, I attach. Mm-hmm. That becomes a habit. And so you don't even really need to think about everything step by step by step. It becomes, you know, like you said, you pull out of your garage and the next thing you know you're pulling into work and the, everything in between is just kind of a blur exactly that's not necessarily i mean that's kind of how your brain preserves itself if you had to think about okay 
back up, hit the brake, turn. You know, I sure. mean, if you thought about every step, you would. But we know that, you know, when, when that happened, we get to that point, which is good. Muscle memory is good. We understand that. And mind memory is good. But we also know that's when things get missed. And, yeah. and we skip steps and don't even realize we skipped them. Right. Right. And we forget right. to do things. Right. We just get into that mode. Of, of everyday work, everyday work. And this is why it's important, right, to have those checks and balances in place. This is why it's important to have those spot inspections. Not to catch people doing mm-hmm. things wrong, mm-hmm. but just to keep people honest and, and to say, oh, hey, man, you, you forgot to, oh, yeah, I did, right, I forgot to tell her off, right? Something they'd done a thousand times before, they mm-hmm. just, whatever it is, they were distracted. Someone talked to them as they're in the middle of doing their routine and just didn't tell her off. So that happens all the time, and, and it's not they did it purposely or they were just, uh, you know, um, regularly forgetful or they're just they're they're risky or they're loose cannon. It's just that we get into that mode of just everyday things, and you stop seeing things after mm-hmm. a while. Like you, you just it's like it's like you know when you write a paper for school, you always should get two or three other people to look at it because they will see things that you don't see. You stopped seeing them. You come blind, mm-hmm. right, to the mm-hmm. obvious. You spelled the wrong six times in the damn paper. You came in blind to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, you know, that's why you need those spot inspections. You need those random safety inspections. Not right. not to catch people, right, but just to make sure that we're remaining aware. Mm-hmm. We're staying on our game. Hey, guys, don't forget about X, Y, and Z. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and right. as you and said, there, pull everybody back into the present. Yeah, right? and there are a lot of factors that interrupt that habit loop. So sure. that periodically happens. And so, and, and you just touched on another thing that is really critical in the safety world, and that is I think that safety police mentality, I'm going to catch you doing something and you are going to pay for it, there's going to be a consequence, mm-hmm. just destroys that element of trust that you have been attempting to develop. Well, that, that goes time. back to discipline being negative. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't want it. You don't want to say we're going to have a discipline environment as being like this militaristic, negative, Hitlerish right. environment, right? right. right? Everything's safety, a punishment. The safety police isn't here to catch us and give us a fine. That person's here to keep us honest and keep us safe and make right. sure we're minding our P's and Q's, mm-hmm. right? It, it's a good thing that person is around, right. right? And that's a message that you have to start out early, right? It's a message that, hey, you know, the safety professional the safety police, the, the hall monitor, mm-hmm. right? They're there for a reason, not to catch people. And, and and obviously, you know, there's power trips that come into play, and you have to have a certain type of person that can actually be in that role and not think of them as an authoritarian type of role that are going to swing the ax. Like, it's like, hey, man, you are actually here to help us stay on track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not here to just clobber people right. and discipline people. Like, that's not that's not your job. Right. Right, the discipline in, in a negative manner. Like you're here to to keep us straight. It's it, it's all about monitoring control, right? It's mm-hmm. one of the classic stages of waterfall project management, like monitoring and control. Like that's what we're talking about here: monitoring and controlling, not disciplining. Right. Like as in getting somebody in trouble. Right. That that is really one of the biggest, in my opinion, shortcomings. We could call it challenges that OSHA has, has, has to deal with because they are, to some degree, they are policing compliance. Mm-hmm. You know, they send compliance officers onto a job site or into a work location to ensure that these conditions have been met per these regulations. But it just becomes this, as you just described, just becomes this like hammering the employer, mm-hmm. or it can. I mean, not all compliance officers approach it that way, but right. but I think that's kind of what the expectation is oftentimes that, 
You know, and I think I think there is there are so many opportunities lost where we could actually gain ground sure. if the interaction would be a little bit more cooperative, perhaps. But if it's just going to be this adversarial, I come in, I find you doing something wrong, I'm going to hammer you, you're going to pay, right. and and there's a time and a place for that. You and I both know there's employers out there that are going to cut corners, sure, because they're trying to save money, they're trying to get the job done faster. I get that, yeah, and then they should probably be hammered. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, but at the I same actually time, enjoyed doing uh, hammering some of those guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, they deserved they, it. They were purposely doing yeah, it. They, were they dicks. knew what they were doing. Yeah, and I think in that case, you know, the hammers warranted. But in a lot of cases, is they just didn't know, they didn't realize, it just it happened. Honest mistake, mm-hmm. and and I don't think you need to be the Grim Reaper in that case. And, and, you know, internally, as a company, your safety officer, your safety inspector needs to be viewed as the person that employees want to go to. Absolutely. For problems. Like when that safety person comes on site just kind of doing a, a, a site visit, mm-hmm. I don't even want to say an inspection, just a site visit, see how things are going, uh, see if everybody's just kind of being safe and all right. And, and that's the person that an employee should want to walk up to and say, hey, um, come over here and check this out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been noticing that like these things are really wobbly when we put them mm-hmm. up. You mm-hmm. know, you know, it's only a matter of time till somebody falls. It's like, oh, okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll get that up. We'll get this fixed, and and before somebody does get hurt, right? Exactly. Like that that that's what that person's there for, right? If not, if not the foreman or the frontline manager, but you know, it's not like when that safety person shows up on site, quick, quick, hide it, hide it, hide it. Don't let them see it. No. Right, like let them see it. Yeah, bring we, it to their how attention. How do we fix this? Let's fix this. Let's right. make sure it's not happening in, on any other site. Right. right before the whole thing topples down, like that's exactly. It obviously is an issue and exists. Let's get it taken care of, and and I think that's that's a, a transitional piece to this. You know, the safety police. Like you got to get that police mentality out of it and just be like it's a safety rep. It's the mm-hmm. safety. The advocate person, or the, the facilitator, or whatever. What, yeah, whatever it needs to be, mm-hmm. right? You and know. it's an opportunity to ensure that you as the employer are fulfilling your part of the agreement. They've got everything they need. You know, you've supplied right. it. But, but also that they understand. It's an also it's a way to make sure that they understand what the expectations right. were. But this goes back to that trust piece we've, we've mm-hmm. been talking about, right? Employees need to trust you as a, as a management and leadership that you're not going to hammer them mm-hmm. every time something is quote unquote wrong. Right. And you know, you need to build to the point where they feel comfortable bringing problems to you. Right. Like when silence is not golden when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, employer employee relationships or mm-hmm. manager employee, the silence is not golden. Silence is, is trouble. Right. 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 It's like kids when it's some room suddenly gets quiet, <laughs> something happens, something's up or something is happening. Right. Yeah, they're upstairs and you don't hear anything. When oh, employees shit. stop talking to you or never came have come to talk to you or aren't bringing you problems, you have a serious issue. That's a good point. Right? You, it should be revolving. They should be coming to you. There's almost a point where they're bothering you mm-hmm. with little things, right? right? Because it's like they, they feel comfortable saying, hey, we got a problem here. Can we get it fixed? Or, hey, we need your help on this, right? Or, hey, I know, you know, because right. you've always helped them, because you've always fixed issues. Yeah, you've because come through. Absolutely. You, you've come through, right? You're holding you up your end of the bargain. fulfilled your expectation, right? What we talked about. Like when mm-hmm. you say, I have an open door, it needs to be a truly an open door. When they come and talk to you, it's not just in one ear out the other, mm-hmm. right? Oh, Doug's just pissing and moaning again because like, he's too cold on the job site, whatever it is. Hey, maybe this is a real issue. Maybe mm-hmm. everybody is freezing their ass off on the job site. Right. And, and, and they're not as productive as they can be. Maybe we need to have a conversation about, hey, we need to get these guys gloves or better jackets or whatever it needs to be. Mm-hmm. That, or, that would be or, a good or give them more breaks yeah. so they can warm. Right? Like, you, 
I mean, that's the trust piece is yeah. that, that they'll willing to come to you. You're not the hammer. Mm-hmm. You're the advocate. You're, you're there to fix things before they happen. Right. right. And, and that, that would be the feedback that you are looking for. Like, like you spoke in the very beginning, you mentioned this, um, you know, this detachment, all of us, you know, you're not getting feedback. You're not out there doing the temperature checks and, 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 and trying to understand your employees needs mm-hmm. or whatever that is. And if that flow of information dries up, that should be the first red flag that, I need to get out there. And sure. If you're paying attention. Open these lines. Sometimes you don't even realize yeah. it. It, yeah. it stops. You get caught up in the. You get caught up in a data. It, it's mm-hmm. like being in your house. Like you, like you go through a few weeks of just like you're in this mode of working and getting stuff done, getting stuff done. All of a sudden you walk in one day and your house is trashed. And you're like, how did that happen? Right. I don't remember doing any of this. Mm-hmm. I don't remember throwing the laundry in the corner. I don't remember leaving the wet towel there, but yep. you obviously did. Now, usually after, for me, that's usually <laughs> after I've taken my Ambien and I start, I wake up the next morning and there's bags of chips, empty bags of in chips all over. Lawn, crumbs. In the front lawn. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but it's right, man. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, th- this is a, man, this is one, this is one of the best ones. I, I hate to be like rating or judging, but that, that is really exceptional stuff. I, I think, you know, um, this is an episode that those kids over at Metro were going to learn something from. Well, I think it's it's one of those things where um, just kind of being in, making sure you're being in the moment, like at all times. That was Bruce Lee's thing, right? Me, me being a martial arts and an advocate studier of all things martial arts. You know, his big thing was being in the moment, living in the moment. The past doesn't matter. It's over and done with. You can't predict the future, right? You can only control the moment, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times I think we get caught up and the other two too easy, and we're not paying attention to what's yeah. happening in front of us. Yeah. Right. And so we're, we're not paying attention to our employees right in front of us on the, on the daily basis. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, we're working on things down the road. We're trying to fix things in the past and, and we just don't see what's in front of us anymore. Yeah. And, and that can be dangerous, very Definitely. dangerous because one, we're not living in the moment. So you're not really enjoying life to begin sure. with. Right. The life is in the moment. Absolutely. That's the only thing you can do. We talked about being thankful earlier. It's like just, being thankful for the moment, right. right? Then you and I can sit here, healthy people, mm-hmm. and uh, and having a conversation about this, right? right. That, that's we're in the moment where we're you know be thankful for that. And I think that's like when you're w- around your employees, be in the moment. You know, um, going back to the, my precision nutrition example, one of the things about and this is just coaching in general. You know, I read a lot of books about coaching and leadership, but to me, coaching and teaching is the same thing, right? And coaching, teaching, mentoring—it's just all different versions of a hat you wear mm-hmm. when you're interacting with people. Um, and one of the big things is, is be in the moment, right? Be listening, be listening. It's bad English. Listen attentively. Let that person know you are there for them. You're truly interested in what they're saying and you have some empathy to their situation, right? You have to be in a moment to do that. Like we, we talk about all these different, you know, uh, techniques to be a better listener. It's just like, well, just be in the moment and you are a better listener mm-hmm. automatically. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Like just sit there and look, you know, look the person in the eye, you know, make sure right. you're not, you know, it's like just have the right. conversation, like be in the conversation uh, and be engaged in the conversation and you are in the moment. Um, put the phone away, right? Shut the door. That is a real that skill. That person has your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you need to do that on daily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when you're interacting with your employees, like that's why I say do the daily temperature checks because that forces you to be in the moment. Right. Right, that forces you to be interacting with them at that time, every day, right? And you're not just locked in your office working on whatever you're working on. Right. Right. And so, you know, those daily check-ins, those temperature checks, those weekly stand-ups, 
those are all efforts to continue to be in the moment, mm-hmm. right? And continue to be on top of things, right? And engaged with your employees. And then they know you're engaged with them as well. And, and having those conversations. like, And then you start to see things, right? Remember I said being mindful and being aware that, yeah, Doug's been a great employee. But now you start to see, you know, he's been kind of off lately. Mm-hmm. Or he's been showing up a few minutes late every day. And that's not unlike him, you know, not like him. And, and uh, you know, you, you start to notice those things because you're paying attention. Right. Right. That's fantastic, man. I think the be in the moment comment is an important one. That may be the take-home message for today's episode. Well, and, and, and to, to, the, to the Metro students, listen to this. Like, one thing I realized, like, when I was in college, mind you, I went to the Air Force Academy, so you, you're inundated with work there and just crap you got to do. And you average 21 credit hours a semester while you're there. So, like, you're just surviving. Mm-hmm. But it was funny. I got my best grades in spring of my senior year, right? The semester you don't give a crap about, <laughs> right. right? Like you've, The you pressure's know, off. You know you're graduating. You just got to pass at this point. Yeah. It's 2-0 and go mentality, right? <laughs> and, right. Uh, and you're going, right? And I had 24 credit hours that semester, 24 and a half because I had a PE. I got my best grades ever. And it, the funny thing was I didn't stay up all night trying to study. I didn't stay up all night cramming and yada, yada, yada. I, I screwed around. I went to bed early. But the thing was is because I was going to bed early and not sleep-depriving myself trying to do all this work and I would be a little bit smarter about my time on the weekends mm-hmm. and get some work done on the weekends and then go out and party, right? But I wouldn't just blow all day Saturday and Sunday off. I would get some work done. I was actually awake in class, paying attention in class. I was in the moment in class. And then, oh, shocker, I didn't need to study as much, yeah, right? Or, or cram, and I was ahead of the game at that point. Whereas years prior, you know, you're, you're – staying up all night trying to get stuff done, you're half awake in class, or you're in class, but you're worried about the other project you got to get done. Absolutely. Or you're in class, but you got to test the next day in a different subject, so that's what you're focused on. Or you're in the back of the room studying a different subject while you're in your history class because you got that test coming up. Right. You're just yeah. not in the moment in the class. Right. And I always tell students that when you're sitting there, if you're engaged and you're paying attention, right, and you're listening attentively and, and asking questions that, that's what class is really for is to raise your hand and ask questions like you have the person in front of you that's the time to, mm-hmm. to get clarifying things answered is that now your study time is like cut in half like all the other work is like cut in half at that point yep. because you are in the moment and present right are you at the meeting or are you in the meeting are you at the conversation or are you in the conversation right are you meeting with your employees or are you actually talking and interacting with your employees Right, is really what it comes down to. And you learn so much more mm-hmm. when you do that. That's, that's a great lesson, man. Um, I think that's a great thing to, to wrap this episode up with is the be in the moment comment, the you know, paying attention, actively listening and participating in that conversation. Um, I, I think if employers yeah. did that, I mean, they, they would just be light years ahead, you know. I mean, and as far as what we've talked about, trust and – sure. Those relationships. You know, and to pull it full circle, so you know, what is working safely? It, it's being in the moment. It is. Being mindful of, of what's happening in the moment and not letting yourself get on autopilot. That's a good that point. That is working safely. That's right. That's a great point. Man, that's fantastic. <laughs> Sasha, did you learn anything today? <laughs> She's not in the affirmative. She's been Googling over there. Yeah, no doubt. Like Instagramming. Hey, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving, man. You too, buddy. It's good to see you. I'll probably see you on Friday. Um, Well, I'm working Friday, but I may see you on Friday. Right. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) Um, Everybody, um, again, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. 
Um, Jose, thanks for uh, pushing this information out to those um, hungry students. I know that they're that they are learning a great deal from your class, man. So keep up the good work. Everybody have a tremendous Thanksgiving. There is plenty to be thankful for. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Think about the positive, as Aaron mentioned. Let's focus on the positive. And we will be back uh, at the end of next month. We'll be doing our last for the for 2020. A holiday special. We'll have a holiday. <laughs> that's right. The holiday special, man. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Good to see you. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>